Sending you a warm autumn welcome to the Breaking Script podcast with Lella and Nini. This is where we explore the glimmer-filled world of Hallmark movies and the occasional Asian drama. Our cinematic self-care sessions bring us even more joy this fall because we get to do this together with you. So let's get this therapeutic adventure started. Welcome back to the Breaking Script podcast with Lala and Mimi. I'm Lala. And I'm Mimi. And you might be able to tell I'm a little under the weather. It's not quite like that cool, sexy voice. (laughs) (laughs) But at least I have a voice. Yes, thank you. I'm sure for that. Lala probably gets the cool, sexy voice, but I just, I don't know. Anyway. No, I get the, I get the smoke, chain smoker voice. <laughs> for like Love it though. Days. I think it's so cool. And then <laughs> I wish it came with like the cool sing, a good singing voice though. I feel like <laughs> when you have that voice, you should also have a good singing voice. Yeah, that would I be wish. nice. <laughs> I wish. I know, right? So this is Nini. I've got kids and I had this really awesome friend who's a family practice doctor who gave me this really incredible piece of wisdom. If you have kids seven and under, just be ready that they're going to be sick all the time. And it's really (laughs) true. Like once they hit seven, it's like a game changer. I don't know what it is. She was so right. Um, So I still have a kid, a kid under seven. And I'm pretty sure he's the one that brought it home from this. But today I was finally ready. Like, okay, I think if I wasn't feeling under the weather and congested and like my taste was weird, I might have gone for a PSL. Like, because oh. I saw you went and had your first one the other day. Yeah, I actually have had many. <laughs> I tell myself I'm only going to have one because, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say you know, calorie count or what's good or what's bad for you. No, but it is sugary. <laughs> and it's true. It's probably not the best thing for me. Um, So I try to like have it as a treat, but I don't know. I just, I get into that Starbucks line and I'm like, I'm going to get an Americano. And then somehow I just end up ordering <laughs> a pumpkin spice latte but I haven't had one the past two days so we're (laughs) that's hilarious the past two days well you know what I saw that I really want to have and then we're going to jump into this movie I saw we have this new boba place here which you guys have to understand for so many years in Kansas City I've lived here for quite a long time now um for so many years there was like two boba places and it was like the texture of the boba would either be snot Oh. or like a really hard red bean you know the red bean <laughs> desserts where it's like yeah. it's supposed to be like nice and soft it would be like a really hard one it was just disgusting and it would be like <laughs> so depressing I'm like why do I try getting boba here and now we have like places popping up all the time so there's just new franchises actually townies and they came out with a pumpkin spice latte like boba brown sugar something or other I was like Ooh, oh, that's good it. right so Anyways, all right, enough of this pumpkin spice latte. I feel like we've talked about it every episode for the first few episodes. That's what you get for launching in the fall with Lala and Nini. It's so true. Um, But I'm so excited to introduce today's movie. We're back to a Christmas movie. And it's not to be confused with Dream of Christmas from 2016 that starred Nikki DeLoach and Andrew Rocker. I'll explain later. 
This movie today is called Take Me Back for Christmas in Lala. I'll let you introduce the characters and summary. Okay. So in Take Me Back for Christmas, we have Corey Sevier, who plays Aaron, and Vanessa Langes, who plays Renee. And I just, I'm just going to say, I love them. I loved this movie. I'm going to plot spoiler. I really liked this. Okay. So let's get into what actually happened in this movie. Renee has always dreamed of launching her own business. However, when her mother fell ill, she and her husband Aaron made the difficult decision to move back to the suburbs to care for her, and their dreams were put on hold indefinitely. And this is where the movie begins. A decade later, Renee finds herself trapped in a monotonous routine, burdened by mounting bills. Her mother has since passed, and the couple has taken over the home, and they're both trapped in dead-end jobs. Aaron's working in insurance, and Renee is a local gift shop clerk. Now, the strain on their once happy marriage has become increasingly evident. One particular disheartening day, Renee is working at the gift shop, and she's mustering up the courage to ask her manager if, once he retires, if he would consider making her the store manager. But to her disappointment, he tells her that actually he's no longer going to retire. And this dashes that tiny light the only tiny light Renee has left inside. That's when she encounters an elf overseeing the Santa display. This enchanting figure offers to grant Renee a Christmas wish. All Renee has to do is ring a bell and make the wish. Initially skeptical, Renee's frustration and weariness after the long day gets the best of her, leading her to make an impulsive wish for a different life. Now, to her astonishment, she wakes up in a luxurious high-rise office in New York City to find out she's now the CEO of one of the world's most successful meal kit delivery companies. Renee's life has been transformed overnight, not to mention she now has a fabulous short little haircut. Naturally, Renee tries to reach out to her husband, Aaron, only to discover that his number now belongs to a complete stranger. Things get even weirder when she's called into a meeting for Maria's Meals, the company that she owns, where she's expected to be the boss, but she has no idea what's going on or even how to run a company. We find out that the company is actually losing subscribers and Renee is supposed to come up with a way to save Maria's Meals so they don't have to do any layoffs. Stunned by everything that's coming at her, Renee calls off the meeting and heads into her office in a full-blown panic. In this alternate reality, Renee's mom is miraculously alive. And when her mom unexpectedly shows up at the office, Renee completely freaks out and faints. This is where we learn that even though her mom is alive, Renee hasn't spent much time with her or time at a childhood home. On the advice of her mother, Renee decides to bail on her all her meetings for the day and head straight to the New York apartment Aaron and her once shared. Finding a key under the planter, she walks in, yelling for him and telling him all about her bizarre day. Next thing you know, Aaron comes into the room only wearing a towel. He's shocked <laughs> and confused as to why Renee is at his place. They haven't been together for years, and they actually were never married at all. Renee finds out that Aaron is living his dream. He is a chef at his own restaurant in New York City. Now, Renee has to make an excuse as to why she's just barged into his, his apartment. Pretending that she left a Christmas DVD, she apologizes, takes the DVD, and leaves very sad and confused. 
As she's rushing out, she hears a car horn and someone yelling her name. Ah, it's the elf from her old life who gave her the wishing belt, driving a car with the license plate Jingle One. This elf, named Cece, reveals that Renee made a Christmas wish and it came true. Now Cece is Renee's fairy godmother with a direct line to her for emergencies just by ringing the bell. And now it's time for Renee to embrace this new crazy life. Feeling perplexed, Renee stops at a classic diner, remembering her coworker from the gift shop, Tasha, used to work at the diner. She really needs someone to talk to. But of course, Tasha doesn't recognize her in this reality. Over a plate of comfort food, Renee tells Tasha all about her mom, her relationship with Aaron, and Tasha in her infinite wisdom encourages Renee to go for it all. After all, life is unpre an unpredictable adventure, especially when your wishes come true on Christmas. Because Renee has no clue where she lives in New York, the next day she wakes up on the couch of her childhood home. As she is explaining the problems about her company to her mom, she comes up with an idea that could help bring her and Aaron closer and save her business. A Christmas meal box with a charitable twist. She wants to donate a box for everyone sold. Renee decides to approach Aaron for his help with the menu. He's reluctant because he's actually dealing with his own restaurant closing, making her pitch even more awkward. But he decides he could help her and the money could potentially keep the restaurant open. Cut to Renee finally finding her Manhattan apartment. And let me tell you, it is amazing. Renee revels in her newfound wealth and extensive designer wardrobe. Cue the montage of her trying on all her clothes. It's very 13 going on 30. Renee heads back to the office where she shares the idea with her coworker, Jerry, who's apprehensive about her partnering with her ex-boyfriend. Instead of menu planning, Renee and Aaron engage in an unexpected game of ice hockey and discuss their past relationship. Although the details remain a mystery. Aaron invites Renee to work in his kitchen and she surprises him with a Christmas gift basket, complete with Santa hat and apron. Cue the cooking montage where they create that hearty winter dish and rekindle their romance, almost kissing, but not quite. Aaron contemplates leaving the city, but Renee asks him to stay and start new. He declines, but considers attending her holiday party. While getting ready for the party, Renee's mom tells her about the plans to sell the family home and travel the world after Christmas. Renee seems surprised that her mom is going to let go of the home. But now at the holiday party, it's time for Renee to make her annual toast, which she obviously didn't know about. As she is thanking everyone, the speech unexpectedly turns into a declaration of love for Aaron. He shows up hearing her speech and realizes he still has feelings for her. However, as they meet romantically in the middle of the room, Jerry interrupts and announces Renee's expansion to London and that she'll be leaving very soon. Aaron is upset and he leaves the party. As Renee chases him, she tells him that they can make long distance work, but he's honest and says it won't. He's tired of waiting for her and it's not going to work. Heartbroken, Renee seeks solace at Tasha's diner on Christmas Eve, sharing her sorrow over a slice of pie. Tasha imparts wisdom about home being a feeling rather than a place. And Renee rings the bell, summoning Cece, and expresses her love for Aaron and all the things she's learned in this reality. Cece tells her that she's truly learned the meaning of Christmas and that she will send her back to her real life at midnight. At this moment, Renee realizes that even though she will go back to her life with Aaron, her mother will be gone. Renee rushes to spend time with her mother before midnight, expressing her wish for more time together. 
Her mom reminds her that love transcends physical presence and they cherish every last beautiful moment. They watch a Christmas movie until midnight strikes. Renee wakes up with her original life and long hair. She surprises Tasha at the gift shop with a gift basket at the store and immediately quits her job. When Aaron returns home, Renee enthusiastically greets him, surprising him with an enrollment to culinary school and the news that she is going to sell the house. This marks the beginning of their new and happy life together. The end. <laughs> the end. Yay. Yay. You did it. I did it. Okay. So let's get into the ratings. I'm so curious as to what you thought of this movie. The ratings. Well, like I said in the introduction of this movie, when I first started watching, which Lala hasn't seen it yet, but I was like, wait, this is one of those, you know how like at Christmas time, there's this meme that goes around that's like, I don't know what they call it, like the Hallmark movie calculator or something like it's like you take all these different like multiple choice options and you put it with the next column of multiple choice options and plus out. the next column and it spits out okay this is what it felt like because I was like wait didn't we watch this one already <laughs> with different <laughs> characters like I said if you want to go back and watch Dream of Christmas with Nikki Deloach and Andrew Walker I love that combination of those two they do a lot of mo- Hallmark movies together but Dream of Christmas was not my favorite so when I started watching this one I was like "Ooh, I don't oh. know how I feel so oh. it affected but anyways let's talk about our ratings where we rate writing characters laughs and overall okay so that kind of affects my writing rating mm. because it felt already like a like a repurposed plot to you totally but then I have so there's an Asian compliment where we'll say it's not bad <laughs> and that's an Asian compliment so basically, like, cool. <laughs> so basically that's what this is yeah so I give it an eight which is like you know that's not bad that's not bad cute I like here's the thing which we'll talk about in the other ratings but let's not make this too long okay the writing I gave it an eight what did you give it I gave it an 8.5 and I really <gasps> loved this movie. I think I'm just a hard marker. I know I yeah. am, but I gave this an 8.5. Like I was- I'm surprised. I was, wow. I know. Okay. Okay. Characters. Okay. So what did you- Oh dear. <laughs> here's the thing. As far as like overall the character development and the characters that are in this, like- I felt like they were cute, like in Japanese we call it like kawaii. Like it's mm. just like it's cute. Um, it was better than Dream of Christmas. Like I felt like the character was a little bit more developed, but it was just like one of those cute, like Hallmark movies, like not fantastic. I wanted to give it like a seven or maybe lower, but I brought it up to an eight because they got points for diversity for having a blonde Asian. Like that was bold to have an Asian, but then to make the Asian <laughs> blonde. Cause I noticed that in a lot of Hallmark movies, they have to be like more stereotypically Asian. So like all their Asians mm. have black hair. So anyways, I was like, meh, it was like a, it's like an eight, but it's like a meh eight. <laughs> okay. I actually, you're going to be shocked. I gave the characters a nine. Are you serious? I did. I loved 
I loved Aaron and I loved Renee. Well, I loved Corey Sevier and Vanessa Langes. Like I just thought yeah. they did such a good job. I also yes. loved Cece the Elf. She kind of reminded me of a Hallmark version of Aquafina a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, had, that's hilarious. You know, she had she had this like totally. attitude, and I really I liked her. I liked Tasha. Um, I really liked her. The mom, like. I was just vibing with this movie. So I I was actually surprised. Okay. How funny I was it, it to you? Okay. So this is where the characters got an eight because I felt like Vanessa, the character of Renee, she carried this movie. Like yes. she was, she carried all the humor in this movie. She, I mean, she did. let me rephrase that. She was the humor in this she, movie. You're right. A hundred percent. Like, without her, there would be no humor. No humor. But, like, the way that, first of all, she has a cute, sexy voice. Like, she, her squeaks, yeah. like, she played it so well. Um, So, I gave it, like, a six to seven overall for the entire movie. But for Vanessa, for Vanessa, she got a ten. Because yeah. that's how much I loved her in this movie. Like, she made the movie. So, I, congratulations. Okay, so I gave it an 8.5. I thought it was really funny. I totally agree. She made me laugh. And what I loved is some of the little jokes that she started doing to Jerry about, like, she wasn't remembering, but she played it off as a joke. Totally. And it was so subtle, but like, it was funny. It was things like that. And you're right. Like how she acted. I don't know. Even like she had a lot of like, her hair was like, almost like to me, part, um, part of her, like, movement like she played so yes. much having that short hair I don't yes. know I thought it was really funny so overall I actually gave this movie a nine out of ten what I know well I averaged out my score um so like eight, 8. 8.5 writing characters are nine 8.5 on how funny it was so that's a nine out of ten Overall, I gave it a 7.8 to an 8.2. I gave it a C plus, which is like an Asian B minus, also known as an Asian F. If you've seen those YouTube, there's plenty. Google Asian F and you'll find plenty of Asian YouTubers that talk about how a B minus is an Asian F. But if you take the Asian away, I'm just going to say like, it was a good average. Again, love Vanessa. I... (laughs) Out of the first movies we picked, I don't know if this is subconscious, but there are not very many Hallmark movies with shirtless guys. I know. I was thinking about that. The towel scene. I was like, wow, what are the odds? Second movie. Okay. But that was humor for sure. Like if he wasn't shirtless, it wouldn't have been as funny. You know? I agree. Anyway. I agree. It was better. Okay. Here we get to our wonderful segments, our famous breakdown. Let's start with what's love got to do with it, where we talk about glimmers, what we love, breaking down romantic and family relationships. Okay, first I have to say that, I just have to say it, it was filmed in Hamilton and Toronto. So like right away, like, and I'm sure you get this growing up in LA, like when you see, I mean, like every movie is filmed in California, but like there is just this (laughs) feeling it you you can I can tell the look right away my husband and I will be watching a movie and I'll kid you not I can be like that's wrong even actually he can recognize it now there's just like a specific look and feel um 
so immediately when I see that, I just get home vibes. And these are two Canadian mm. actors. So totally. I mean, that's such a hallmark thing. But there was totally. just this extra vibe that I was I was loving. Um, mm. and then right off the bat, I just loved Vanessa. I thought there was yes. some depth to her acting. You really felt like you were going through it with her. Like the emotions yes. were so real. I really enjoyed her in this movie a lot. Yeah, totally. I think it's really funny. I couldn't tell that it was filmed in Toronto, but I get when you have all those feels of like, yeah. it feels familiar, it feels homey. I think what I loved most about this movie was that the relationships that were portrayed were portrayed in a healthy way that it's not typically portrayed. So like, for instance, mm-hmm. like all of them, like the husband, wife, the mother, daughter yes. relationship, the best friend relationship, like the husband and wife in the opening of the movie, they were so in love. Like you felt the chemistry immediately. I was like, Whoa, yeah. that's amazing. And the fact that they weren't, um, like Re- Renee's character was in a place where she was dissatisfied with where she was in life. Yeah. But they, in their marriage, he was in like a good supportive place, yeah. you know, which I was like, whoa, that's, I don't, I don't feel like that's portrayed a whole lot. Mm. Um, So I gave it like, if we were scoring this, it'd be like 11 out of 10 for having a healthy and adorable husband and wife relationship. Yes. And then when they were showing, and I'll have to, there's like, two sides of the coin for me regarding the mother-daughter relationship which Mm. we will get to in the oi with the poodles already (laughs) um but I really loved that in that alternate like magical reality how it was portraying like what a healthy mother-daughter relationship could look like and like it gave me all the feels of reminding me even in my own relationship with my mother like how a lot of times we feel like we're not as close with our mothers which brings mm-hmm. me to my love of Gilmore Girls like I think so many daughters and mothers when they watch Gilmore Girls are like you just want that Lorelai Rory right relation- mother-daughter relationships when in reality we are a lot closer than we think we are and we don't realize yes. it yeah um until some some of us have lost our mothers and so anyways I loved sh- them showing Renee like in that alternate reality, like really wanting to spend time with her mom and, and giving her permission to move on in the original reality and a mother that is traveling and wanting to sell her, you know, this home that represented so much in their lives. And the fact that the mistletoe kiss in this movie, because there's oftentimes a mistletoe kiss was um, in these Hallmark Christmas movies was between the the daughter and the mom. I know. I mean, come on. I mean, that was like one of also my glimmers is I loved her relationship with her mom. And I think you're right. It was so, it was portrayed so healthy because it's, they allude to the fact, well, actually they don't even allude to it. Like her mom says it, like basically Renee hasn't had a lot of time for her mom, but her mom doesn't come in there resenting her being yeah. passive aggressive or, or yes. feeling, feeling neglected. Like she really loves Renee and supports her and is kind of like you do you and I'm supporting you. I'm cheering you. Like there's no resentment. There's no, exactly. there's nothing. And, and I, I loved that. It was so sweet. And then, I mean, just like my heart broke 
when Renee realizes that she, you know, although she gets to be with her husband, like that her mom wasn't going to be there and like seeing that closure, which I imagine a lot of people that don't get closure like that, you know, I don't know, it could possibly be very healing, but like, it was so beautiful. And and I imagine it's, it's what a lot of people imagine to have. And I just like, weeped like I was like weeping <laughs> at that <laughs> moment <laughs> I was like that's how crying. intense it was you guys it wasn't wept it was weeped if I, I weeped. was I, weep. <laughs> I it was heart-wrenching like I was I, literally yeah. watching this over my lunch break <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I was sick I mean I was at home but uh just <laughs> crying oh you know, and okay, and I will say, to, since we're on, I know this is getting long in the tooth, but healthy relationships. Uh, I wanted to talk about when Renee is going to London. So there's the scene that um, after Renee has given her speech and Aaron, you know, is heard. And then, you know, Jerry interrupts and basically says like, oh, we're going to London. Like we got the expansion. We got our, the subscribers yeah. that we needed. Um and Aaron kind of leaves the party and Renee chases him, you know, she's saying like, we can make it work. And I love what he said about long distance. Like he says, I know how it goes. You know, we talk every day, then once a week, et cetera. And then Mm. eventually we go on a break. Um, And he's not wrong. Like long distance relationships are hard. And basically he was saying like, I'm tired of, of waiting. And I mean, I don't know if it's cliche or not. Like, I'm still new to the Hallmark movie, but I just, I thought that that was, I was really happy that he, like, it sucked, but it was a really true statement. Like, yes, it's very true. And when you're somebody that wants to move forward, and I think the theme is like, Renee was so stuck always, like, Mm -hmm. because of fear, she was stuck because she had no forward momentum that in this alternate reality, like he wasn't going to be stuck with her. And yeah. I think that's really like, I really appreciated seeing that perspective from yeah. him. Yeah. Well, I think that's something we should highlight here is that there is a difference. Like, even though I joke that take me back for Christmas and dream of Christmas are similar plot lines, there's a shift that you can see in mm. the years between those where it's like, like you said, like you cried. Well, your typical psychologically formulated Hallmark movie wasn't formulated to make you cry. They Mm -hmm. usually don't trigger you. So they stay within these parameters, Mm -hmm. but the real ones get you thinking like this one, it's heartwarming because you're like, oh my gosh, that's so real. Yeah. Um, And it's still, but it still gives you all the good feels also, but it takes you to feel a little bit more. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I totally 100% agree with that. Like, yeah, no, you don't see that in a whole lot of Hallmark movies. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's that. And I loved her friendship with Tasha where it's like, I felt like it was so relatable where if you're in somewhere that's like not familiar, that you're looking for that safe friend yeah safe face and that Tasha was that for her and that even though they didn't have a relationship like 
she could just in the alternate reality, you know, like she could still go there. And I, and I loved that Tasha wasn't jaded. Like I expected everything yes. to be upside down, but Tasha right. was not jaded. You know, she was happy and she, her and her husband were still going to live their dream. Like they were still moving to the suburbs. Like she was never portrayed as someone that was dissatisfied with life. And so exactly. I just imagined that when in this alternate reality, she was going to be jaded. I just love that it wasn't so typical. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I'm glad you realized, even though you haven't like Hallmark movies playing the background usually for you, but you're right. It totally didn't play all the typical Hallmark no. notes, which brings me to um, Uh, yeah (laughs) don't go chasing waterfalls (laughs) because there really wasn't a whole lot um like we didn't need to bring out the omo omo nardar for this time no um but i will say that boss that doesn't listen right (laughs) so i should say if we need a review here this is where we talk about unhealthy behaviors and coping mechanisms um not Jer- what there wasn't the boss's name what was the boss's name oh my goodness i just blinked the boss at the christmas store renee's boss oh and sorry real um i don't remember his name but that boss that doesn't listen mm-hmm. and you have her playing this typical what you see in a lot of hallmark movies like the people pleaser codependent trope who was like isn't She's so not speaking up to the point where this beautiful basket that she curated and created, like her husband baked for it. She like put so much love into it. You could tell that was in the opening and she made it for her pregnant friend, right? She doesn't speak up and she lets him take it away and eat it. Like that level of not speaking up. I had this um, mentor in my life named mama angel and she didn't know it but every time she would talk about this well i think she did know it she would call me out quite frequently she had this um psychology mentor that told her she wouldn't die from emotional problems because she lets it all out so she would call in the ones like the the women that keep it all in and don't speak up and she would say if you don't speak up you're gonna die (laughs) that's what kills you it turns into disease and it would be in the same breath that she told me that caregivers often die before the patient, but it's those ones that feel like they can't, they got to people please and they're afraid of speaking up. I was like, okay, okay. I hear you. It reminded me a little bit of me. Um, and I'm learning. I'm very, very different from that now, but it's familiar. And that's what this reminded me, but that's all I had for that. I didn't really have any other, what'd you get for don't go well, chasing waterfalls? Sorry. I just, I had to, his name was Jeff. I forgot. He was Thank a very you. like minor character. Right. Um, but he was a little bit annoying. <laughs> uh, he was. So I, okay. So I love Renee. Like, I think she's a great person, but I definitely, I don't think she's an unhealthy person, but I think the being stuck kind of holding on to life, like yeah. no forward momentum. Yeah you know, it's just, we all can get stuck in that pattern and whether we realize totally can be very unhealthy and it affects our family. It can affect our friends. Like their life was really on hold. And although, you know, 
they they did seem really in love like Aaron talking about that insurance job and you know what I I like random fact I once worked in insurance for like two weeks because no huh. offense you work in insurance I have so much respect for you I could not do it it was life-sucking to me and mm. I just so I felt that at a deep level mm-hmm. like he's not doing something he loves because he's got the weight of this house and everything and the medical bills and he's working in insurance, which is like, if you are not doing your dream, like the absolute worst job is probably like trying to sell insurance to people. Mm. Um, and that's not saying that if maybe you love it, but I'm just saying like some of the, the some of the people, the situations that I was in when I was dealing with insurance was, it was sad and it was hard and it was yeah. raining. So to think about, you know, what, you know, she's kind of putting them through in this, this season, you know, I mean, we all, it's not, she's not narcissistic. She's not a bad person. Yeah. She's just stuck. And it's creating, yeah. you know, an issue with their life. And when you're afraid of letting go and you're afraid of failing, you don't ha- realize how much it can kind of create some essence of toxicity in your life, you know, and for the, for you know, specifically maybe like in your marriage. I think that's, that's actually something I wrote down what you were talking about was the quote where she is talking with her mom processing in that alternate reality and saying, realizing like, I think it was her mom who asked her like, what are you afraid of? And she was like, I'm afraid of letting go of moving on a failing. And it's just when you finally realize, Ooh, I'm actually afraid of success. Mm. when it comes down to that there's a level of like self-sabotage so it becomes easier to focus on problems because moving on and actually feeling free to like succeed is scarier sometimes yes like feeling that full feeling of joy sometimes is very is unfamiliar for a lot of people yeah. Renee Brown talks about this a lot so anyway <laughs> I love how deep this gets. I know totally I was like wow expected. we're really on a roll tonight <laughs> I know. Okay, okay. Well, are we ready for the egg yes. with the poodles already? Where we talk about plot holes, continuity issues, the wait what's, what we didn't like. For me, this movie should have come with a huge honking trigger alert. Yeah. Like, about a mom who loses her fight with breast cancer, but then she comes back to life. Yeah. What? Like so I have to admit when Lala was like so Lala was the one that really wanted to see this movie which I when I saw the previews like I liked I saw right away I loved how Vanessa played the role of Renee I knew I I would like it but then I don't know if you noticed this but in the opening of the movie and I don't know if this is like an oi with the poodles or like if there's a meaning like a deeper meaning that I'm not understanding that the writers and the prop coordinators like tried to yeah put into this but at the beginning of the movie like in the opening when you're looking at all the family pictures yeah there's a bunch of family pictures of the mom clearly going through chemo like the mom when she's sick Mm. who keeps up pictures of your mom when you're sick so I'm someone who did actually lose my mom to breast cancer Mm -hmm. um she graduated and so it was a huge trigger alert for me because yeah, I have some pictures of my mom from when she was sick only because I had a baby. I had just had a baby. My baby was mm-hmm. eight weeks old the day my mom passed, 
but usually you like you prefer to keep pictures around of them when they're healthy right but what's really weird is the very closing scene like literally the last screenshot of this movie is a healthy picture of her mom mom. yeah but there's no healthy ones at the beginning of the movie and I'm like what what why not only that I don't know if I'm the only one and it's been long enough you guys I've done my work so I apologize if this is triggering but for the first year or maybe longer actually maybe years later it happened again I literally for at least a year at a time a couple years apart would every single day have dreams that my mom was alive and nobody told me. So this was huge trigger. The fact Uh, that like, and I love, and there were like healing parts that you, you know, mm -hmm. you brought up like, Oh, this is stuff that you needed to hear. And like, it was clear that in her real life, like in the beginning, like, yeah, she was there for her mom. She didn't have the career where she went off and Mm -hmm. didn't have time with her mom. So it was like, she could live with no regrets, right? Because in real yeah. life, like she was there for her mom. Clearly she was a caretaker and they were stuck with the medical bills. And so anyways, it was very triggering for me because I lived that. Um, but anyway, I, besides that, go you ahead, know, go ahead. I feel terrible because I did think about you when I was watching this. And then I felt terrible because I didn't know <laughs> what the movie was about. I literally, when I was, it's funny because when I was watching front, so how I saw this, the ad for this movie was watching three wise men and a baby on friendly TV. Oh, okay. But so like, and I was like, oh, that looks good. But yes, that was yes. The, and, I, and I told you, oh, I want to see that. And, but all I, all that I knew about it was that this girl wakes up in a different life. Like, right. I had no idea. So yes, you are right. Yeah, there should well, have been a huge trigger warning because, like I said, I wept <laughs> at, in this movie, and I mean, I am a softy, but like that, that like that scene with her and her mom, it was just like, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think this was going to be one of my final thoughts, but I think it's really important. Like my mom and I, I think a lot of times we didn't feel like we were on the same page or we didn't communicate or like we weren't the closest but when your mom passes you realize like who do you call when something significant in life happens like when like you know to say about my kids or life change or like you're actually a lot closer than you think you are yeah um and so anyways it made me realize all that and so huge trigger but at the same time there were things about it that's like healing as well but mm. not your typical like your typical movie doesn't do that so no. it totally caught me off guard <laughs> um especially with how much they did it in the um relationship with the mother and in the marriage like they had some real stuff that they processed it wasn't like yeah. they just glazed over it so yeah but yeah you're right when she said she wished for a different life which that was one of my always the poodles the girl just wished for a different life I was like girl you could have your alternate reality could have been homeless like there was nothing specific yeah it's just like <laughs> I wish I had a different life <laughs> like are you for real you could have come back as a dog like what is happening that is so funny and there was just a lot about it it was so cute but there was a lot about like I didn't relate to like she said something like um 
there's nothing like a that a brisk walk and a piece of pie won't fix and I was like yeah uh, I don't know <laughs> I don't relate to that at all I don't know who does don't at me um but yeah there was just a lot of little things like that that like this was by far my largest category where I wrote a whole bunch of stuff down mm. um like there was did you notice there was a mute Santa <laughs> the Santa didn't talk no and that's Where? because um certain extras like if they talk they have to pay more oh so they'll they'll talk about that's that like like cc santa cc santa the santa at the shop he, he doesn't talk yeah and then also is this a christmas store like year round like what else does she do like what's going yeah, on here i, I was understand. wondering about what this store is it could have been one of those like there are at least we have them here like 24 like not 24 7 like Every, 12 months a year it's Christmas maybe it's one of those oh we don't um have those in Kansas City really I will say okay yeah. one thing that I this is so random and so Canadian okay at one hour 20 minutes and 58 seconds Renee oh, so is giving Aaron a gift in a black and red buffalo checked plaid box Okay. He tilts it a little bit. Whoever is the prop master forgot to take off the Dollarama sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Dollarama is a Canadian dollar store. We have them everywhere. Wow. wow. Like, that's our, like, we only recently got Dollar Tree. Like, it's always Dollarama. Um, and that box, like, it, it's so Dollarama. And he, like, kind of has it tilted. And I'm like, what they didn't even take off the sticker That's I mean that so was funny to me that was like yeah th- I mean definitely I agree like she didn't wish for anything specific and I'm thinking like if if I had a genie in a bottle and three wishes like I know specifically the three things that I would wish for like <laughs> how do you not know someone's telling you you have a wish and it's like I'm yeah. in a different life what does that mean um yeah I think that for me that was yeah that was a big one um though I I actually thought continuity was pretty good like you know I didn't think there was a lot of continuity errors um but who knows maybe Dollarama was product placement I'm just kidding (laughs) were they a sponsor I don't know that happens there's some pretty we haven't hit one yet but there's some pretty obvious product placement that's funny yeah well I think my last big one is what man do you know in his midlife crisis decides he wants to quit his job and have kids like honey that's not a midlife crisis like what are we talking about (laughs) she literally tells her friend I think my husband's having a midlife crisis because he wants to quit his kids Uh, quit his quit his kids (laughs) that's more like a midlife crisis he wants to quit his job move to the city and have kids like that well, doesn't also, go together either no I also was like typically people don't move into the city to have kids that's what I'm saying you leave the like, city none of this is making sense what happens that is so funny. and then what's wrong with the magic like why in this alternate amazing reality can she not remember anything like how to present what is this meeting about like you would think she would have to but again if she knew that it wouldn't be so funny like that was True. the comedic no, that she yeah she hit it so good she genius 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 <laughs> Vanessa okay 
Are we ready to wrap up with the last segment? Yes. Jayo, fighting. Who are we rooting for to live happily ever after? Aaron and Renee. I just think like, it, totally. it, it's already set up for us. They're going to go to the city. He's going to go to school. It's going to be a great life. They're going to have kids. Like, it's going to be happy. Like, I think this yeah. story is already written. And totally Tasha's happy. Like, yeah. You know, the she only thing I can say is that Jeff re- finally retires and then, you know, Tasha is the manager or something like that. <laughs> there you go. Yes, yes. Someone takes over. I, I mean, I really did, even though this wasn't like, you know, in top tens of my favorites, but I definitely felt like it was like a, okay, have your cake and eat it too. For me, I was mm-hmm. like, maybe they move to the city and they grow a business and they have babies and then they come back and buy the house and they have both. Mm. they have their cake and eat it too so that's yeah that's my happily ever after i love it okay so for our final thoughts or favorite quote um again i just i loved it i will say i loved her wardrobe like in this yes oh i thought they did a great job the glow her. up was so good. Yes. I just really like, I had to, like, that was a glimmer for me. Like, I just, I loved her hair and I loved her outfit. I feel like all of her outfits. Um, So that's kind of like my final thought. But my favorite quote, as cheesy it is, came from Tasha. It was, it's funny at a certain point in your life when you have met your person, home becomes less of a place and more of a feeling. I think it's mm, so true. It's so good. I love it. I love that we're ending on that note. Well, thanks for breaking script with us. Um, Don't forget to follow so you never miss an episode. 